This is episode 5 of the audio podcast, The Holocaust in Hungary, subtitled, It Can Happen Here, written by George Hidvegi in 1996, received by his daughter after his death. I'm editing it to pass on the message he wanted to pass on, which was the tragedy of the Holocaust, the memory of those who suffered and died, especially the Jewish people, the valiant heroic efforts by those who tried to rescue them, and the parallels in American society and how it could, in fact, happen here. The title of this section is Efforts to Pull the Country Through the Lost War. Evidently the war was lost, but it was not over yet. If Hungary wanted to stay in the war on Hitler's side, a total mobilization was imminent. The orientation of the Hungarian people, including the Jewish Hungarians, divided Hungary into two parties. One side wanted the government to increase the military forces and help Hitler to fight against communism. The other party, including the Jewish population, insisted that the politicians and the regent find some way to end the war with a peaceful solution. The parliament suggested a peace treaty with Stalin and or with Western powers. Prime Minister Kelly's slick politics made promises to the Hitler regime, but on the other hand, through diplomatic channels, he tried to pick up contact with Moscow. After the total victory over German and Hungarian military forces on the Eastern Front, Stalin did not show any interest in a separate peace treaty with Hungary. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister denied Hitler's request for the right to draft Hungarian-German minorities into the German military, with the exception of those who still had German citizenship. Hitler's request for a division of occupied occupation force to go to Serbia was also denied. Prime Minister Calais' attitude toward the Jewish population was entirely different from any of the former prime ministers. When the Nazis were demanding more and faster action on the Jewish deportation plan, he officially turned them down. Since earlier he was unable to call Stalin's attention to a separate peace treaty, now he tried to make some connection with England. In the summer of 1943, he finally had some connection with the British government. Due to the discussion with the representative of England on September 9 of 1943, they came up with a secret agreement. It describes the conditions for the Hungarian government. In the case of British or military forces advancing to the Hungarian border, Hungary would surrender to either one of those two forces with no conditions. In return for this offer, the Western powers will not send warplanes to bomb Hungary. In July 1943, the British-American forces landed in Italy. In September of that year, Italy officially departed from the war, and the Nazis lost one ally. Also in September, Hitler sent Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi general and future propaganda minister, to Hungary. Actually, he was there on a spy mission. He was supposed to find out how the Hungarian regent Admiral von Horthy and the parliament feel about Italy's departure from the war. Goebbels reported back to Hitler exactly the way he felt about the Calais regime standing point. He let Hitler know the Hungarian government was just waiting for a reason and a chance to follow Italy's steps and depart from the coalition. After Hitler received Goebbels' report, he made all the necessary steps to prevent the regent and prime minister from breaking ties with Germany. Hitler could not afford to lose Hungary because the fast advancing Red Army was coming on the Eastern Front. He was planning a total military takeover of Hungary in the near future. Meanwhile, he became very friendly with the Regent von Horthy. He even sent him a yacht for his 75th birthday. 
Von Horthy tried to take advantage of Hitler's good mood and sent him a letter asking permission to bring the remaining Hungarian divisions back from the Eastern Front. Hitler did not bother to answer his letter for a while. But a couple weeks later, the German attaché let the regent know that he was invited to meet Hitler on March 17, 1944, at his headquarters in Kleshheim. Von Horthy took the foreign minister and chief, joint chief with him, of staff with him, but the meeting was not nice or successful at all. Hitler called the regent a traitor and accused Hungary of wanting to sabotage the war. He let the regent know for safety for the Third Reich and the German people he will send the Wehrmacht military forces to take over the country and place Hungary under German military rule. The meeting broke up and only the next day they agreed on a compromise solution, but Hitler did not cancel the proposed military takeover. Admiral von Horthy was told he had to replace his prime minister and his cabinet. His new regime must be friendly to the Third Reich. He requested a total mobilization, a 100% participation in the war against Russia. After the government fulfilled these requests, only then would Hitler pull out the German military from Hungary. The regent von Horthy could take the easy way out and resign, but he did not. He knew that in case of his resignation, an irresponsible Nazi lower gang would take over power, which would cost thousands of Hungarian and Jewish lives. On March 1944, the Wehrmacht divisions moved into Hungary and took over almost everything. The region appointed a new cabinet, and the new Nazi, Nazi lover Prime Minister, Dom Soje, did not waste any time proving his friendship to the Third Reich. On March 29, 1944, he introduced his new Jewish restriction law proposal. This was accepted after a short debate by both houses of parliament. According to the newest order, the telephones owned by the Jews had to be reported to authorities in the northern part of Hungary, which was under German military occupation, and the Jews had to wear signs. What it meant was a five-inch wide armband with a four-inch diameter yellow dot on it. At the same time, the Jewish stores and businesses had to have a large yellow star on the doors. That was an invitation for mobs and gangs, and several stores were vandalized and robbed. In the rest of the country, the Jews were ordered to wear the yellow star on their white armband, and all the stores were marked, too. The leaders of Jewish organizations who were complaining about the vandalization and destruction of Jewish stores and businesses were arrested and imprisoned by the Gestapo and the Hungarian authorities. The Jews who had to wear the yellow star were confronted by other people. If a store owner who took off his overcoat and had no armband on his suit, or a Jew who went to the basement during an air raid without the yellow star on his arm, or the yellow star was smaller than the requested size, or it was not fastened tight enough to the band, or it was not the proper yellow color, all of these Jews were put in a camp and deported to Germany. Since the German military took control over the country, Hungary was backing the war again with full force. Total mobilization was ordered and one division after another was sent to the Eastern Front, which was getting closer to the Hungarian border by now. The people of Hungary could see the real picture of the friendly German relationship now. By March, Hungary's pre-war Jewish population of over 400,000 had been doubled by refugees fleeing from Hitler's Nazi regime and other Nazi-sympathizing countries. Although allied itself with the Third Reich and having adopted several Jewish restriction laws, 
The government under the regent von Horthy always found a way to delay the deportation of Jews to the Nazi concentration camps. With the newly appointed Nazi sympathizer government, everything changed suddenly. The order that the Jews had to wear the armbands with the yellow star on them was widely protested by the leaders of different religions. Cardinal Justin Seretti, the prince prelate in Hungary, an overwhelmingly Catholic nation, was deeply hurt by the fact that thousands of Jewish families who were converted to Catholicism would now be required to wear the Star of David. In his protest, he went so far that he handed his written objection to the Nazi lover Prime Minister Dom Jode. In his letter, he asked the Prime Minister to exempt the baptized Jews who are Christians now, even though they are of Jewish origin, from wearing the yellow stars. But the Cardinal did not show any feeling about the brutal actions used against those Jews who admitted being Jews. The Prime Minister yielded very little to the Cardinal's plea. The only change was that the Jews now had the right to wear a cross in addition to the yellow star. After March 19, 1944, even more restriction orders were ordered for the Jews, and more often. Even those who were Hungarian citizens by birth or naturalized did still not have the rights that the Christian citizens had. Their money and property were now taken away. They were allowed to keep only a small amount of money. All their jewelry and other valuable property was confiscated. The food supply was cut down to a minimum. They were locked out of society and became the outcasts of the human race. After the German military takeover, the Gestapo started to increase its activity, mostly in the capital. Although the Aerocross mob was not in power yet, they worked hand-in-hand hand with the Nazis. If you recall, in the very first episode, I spoke of the leader of the Aerocross mob being imprisoned. He has since been released and has revitalized that group. Continuing, the Gestapo arrested hundreds of people because they were opposers of Hitler's Nazism. In March 1944, the Gestapo took more than 200 Jewish doctors and lawyers into custody with the help of the Hungarian police and certain military units. They were in a temporary camp, then after a while, they were deported to German concentration camps. The subtitle of the next section is The Holocaust Takes More Victims. There was a well-organized underground movement in Budapest way before Hitler put Hungary under military watch. That organization would form, was formed by private citizens, those who refused to accept Nazism and the demolition of human rights. There was no involvement from the Hungarian government at the beginning. But later, Hungarian intelligence offered its help and participation. This became a very important factor when some of the neutral nations offered their help to save Jewish lives. Members of the underground risked their lives all the time and even penetrated the Nihilist Party. As you recall, the Nihilist was the Aerocross Party. So to repeat, after Ferenc Zlezi was freed from prison by the Regent von Horthy, he became the leader of the Hungarian Nihilist or Aerocross Party and he tried to play everything into Hitler's hands, hoping that one day he will be rewarded for it. The Hungarian government, because of German pressure, was unable to outlaw the party's validity. Before the German military occupation of Hungary, the restriction of the Jews was increasing already. The government robbed them of everything they had. The Aerocross gang sometimes tried to carry out attacks against the Jews, but these were isolated incidents only. Although the police departments did not show much willingness to investigate claims and accusations made by the Jews, 
No bodily harm came to the majority of the Jewish population. Again, editors note, this is early 1944. After the German occupation, everything changed drastically. That was the time when the underground started to intensify its activity. Being a member of the underground organization, working with Hungarian intelligence, we could not just stand by and accept the destruction of thousands of lives. Sometimes we had to bend the law a little, but we were hoping that God, the good Lord would forgive us for the purpose of saving human lives. Some of the well-off Jewish families lived in expensive apartment houses in the Lipoveros, that's L-I-P-O-T space V-A-R-O-S, alongside the Danube River. Some of them had their own villas on the Rosadam, on the western part of the capital in Buda. And editors note, Budapest is two cities on either side of the river. The western side was Buda, the eastern side was Pest. So to continue, some of these doctors, lawyers, or company owners were not even citizens of the country. For those Jews, it took a lifetime of honest work to build up their business, to be a, a prominent lawyer or a well-known excellent doctor. We knew what was going to happen to them in the near future, and they were frightened even to think that after the government confiscated their factories and took away their permits to practice as doctors and lawyers, then they might be subject to deportation. We tried to contact as many as we could through their rabbis or Jewish organizations. Some of them were willing to give up their houses or apartments and move to a smaller place with new identification papers and new names. They did not have to give up their money, jewelry, or gold, but they had to change their religion and their names. We did reroute 15 families, about 75 people, who would be deported in the near future. These people were wise enough to see a few months ahead toward the end of the year when terror and unbelievable brutality turned the city of Budapest into a living hell. Some people were too naive or too stubborn and could not be convinced either by us or their rabbis to change their lifestyle. All of those were rounded up and put in pre-deportation camps by the end of April 1944. The Gestapo had a system to pick up the Jews who could not prove that they were Hungarian citizens. They got their information with the help of the Nazi party members or from the license, permit, and registration bureaus. It was easy to trace a person to the place where they lived. The apartment houses, all of them, were locked up by the custodian exactly at 10 p.m. To be able to get into the building, you either ring the doorbell for the custodian or you had to have a key. So the Gestapo usually struck around midnight, assuming all the victims will be home at that time. As I mentioned before, some members of the underground were members of the Nihilist Party, too. This way, we had the list of people to be picked up a day before the Gestapo did. Most of the members of the Nihilist Party were corrupt and stupid young men. They did not care for the Germans or the Jews. It was easy to bribe some of them and get the list of soon-to-be-deported Jews' names on it. We usually worked with a military ambulance truck. Sometimes, without any notification from the rabbi, we just let people know the grave situation they were in. Most of these people were ready and happy to leave. In some cases, like on the 25th of March, we contacted David Schoen on Johanni Street. His wife did not want to come with us. Unable to convince them, we had to leave. We felt very bad because the next day they were taken by the Gestapo. 
Wearing the Star of David on their armband was a mild punishment for the Jews compared to the terror they went through a few months later in the same year. At the end of March 1944, SS officer Adolf Eichmann and his Nazi gang arrived in Budapest. He was very anxious to carry out Hitler's order for the solution of the Jewish problem, what he called the Endloslung, E-N-D-L-O-S-U-N-G. On April 20, 1944, with the acceptance of the Hungarian government and the knowledge of the Regent von Horthy, the Holocaust of the Hungarian Jews started to take more and more victims. In almost all provinces of Hungary, the roundup of Jews started to take place. The Gestapo and the SS units were carefully working out their plans, collecting the data from the registration bureaus from all of those cities and provinces. In Hungary, it was the law that no matter where you lived, you had to fill out a registration card and state your place of birth, birth date, occupation, religion, and citizenship. Every time you moved to a new location, you were required by law to fill out a new registration card in the city's registration offices. That made this system, that system made the Gestapo's job very easy. They just looked over the registration books and picked out the Jews. By agreement with the Hungarian government, they were allowed to take only the non-Hungarian citizen Jews. But any Jews who did not have citizenship papers on hand or proof that they were Hungarian citizens although they were born citizens, still were taken away by the Gestapo and the Hungarian gendarmes without any hesitation. It started on April 20, 1944, in the cities of different provinces. The Jews were forcibly removed from their homes to makeshift camps in open-air farmlands or crammed into temporary ghettos. In the cities of Ungvar, Lagosa, Marmaros, Zatmar, and Zemplin, the Jews were kept in open-air camps, completely isolated from the rest of the world. They got only a minimum of food and water. The roundups were conducted savagely by SS units and by the Hungarian city police and the Hungarian gendarmes. It took about three weeks to gather all the Jews into their camps. Still, some of the Jewish families managed to hide out in their Christian friends' properties in the suburbs. Then at the beginning of May 1944, under the SS unit supervision, Hungarian police and the gendarmes forced these weather-beaten, hungry, and some of them sick people into boxcars. The police used rifle butts and whips to jam 70 or 80 persons into one boxcar. Two metal buckets were given to each boxcar, one for water, the other for human waste. All of the boxcars were sealed with only a very narrow slit for air and circulation. The deportees usually could take only two days' supply of food, but in several camps the majority of these Jews did not have anything to take with them. All these inhumane orders made traveling even more unbearable. From the city of Kassa, the last deportation train took off on May 20, 1944. Kassa was one of the cities where the Jews were handled and treated in the most savage and inhumane ways. Before they were forced into the boxcars, Men and women, without any exception, in front of everyone, were ordered to take off their shoes and all their clothes. They were standing in the cold, wet ground in the still winter-like April weather, barefoot and completely in the nude. Then they were searched for no reason in the most indescribable, inhumane manner. Shortly before the train started to roll out, they were given back their shoes and some underwear and one blanket. That practice was common in most cases and almost in all cities. 
in the city of near Revgahaza, they were forced into the boxcars like animals. They were beaten so badly that many of them were bleeding and injured. No matter how much they begged or cried, nobody raised a finger to help them. In the city of Munkats, the Jewish council were complaining about the way the deportees were, tees were handled. The answer for the complaints resulted in a bloody mess because the SS unit and Hungarian gendarmes whipped them so badly that all of them were bleeding. Several of the deportees in the boxcars died before they arrived at the extermination camp in Auschwitz or Birkenau. Between May 25th to 29th, SS Brigadier Edmund Wissenmeyer personally assisted in the roundup of Jews of several provinces. He deported 144,650 Jews and some non-Jews to Birkenau. It looked like the deportation was never going to end. Per the demand of Adolf Eichmann, the Nazi hyena, the deportation of Jews was carried out in every part of Hungary. In the southern part of the country, like Zala, Baranya, and Baxa, Unfortunately, those Jews who fled Hitler's regime in the early 1940s now became the inescapable victims of the Nazi terror. The deportation trains were rolling out of Hungary day after day, and it still did not end. As the trains passed through Hungarian citizen cities, the residents could hear the screaming and cries of the people in the boxcars. Many of them died from sickness, hunger, or suffocation before they reached their destination. From southern Hungary, it was a long way to Auschwitz. Sometimes the railroads were used frequently by the military. The trains with the deportees then had to wait. The three-day journey sometimes lasted for ten days, and people in the boxcars did not get anything to eat or drink, sometimes for three or four days. The buckets for human waste were not emptied either. The saddest story of them is that these Jews, who were living in the northern Hungarian cities, those who were under the Czech government for 25 years and as a Hungarian minority had always remained proud and loyal to their Hungarian heritage. But since they could not prove they were Hungarian citizens, they were deported by the Nazis to the death camps. The minds of the people were poisoned by the Nazi ideology and the worst was yet to come. Wearing the Star of David was a mild prelude to the unavoidable disaster that fell on most of the Hungarian Jews. Adolf Eichmann and his Nazi gang's efforts to round up and deport the Jews from most Hungarian provinces earned a huge result for them. By the beginning of the second week in July 1944, Dr. Edmund Wiesenmeyer proudly made his report to Hitler in Berlin that 437,400 Jews were deported from Hungary to their final destination. This concludes Episode 5 of the audio podcast, The Holocaust in Hungary by George Hedvegi. My name is Dale.